Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. We have a great speaker here today, Noni, and uh, you can come up here any time you like. <laughs> Noni is a, is a practicing psych, psychologist, counsellor, sorry, I better get this right, there's a difference, and she's highly accredited. She's also an accredited so-so trainer, and uh, I noticed that was on the back of your book, and, well, I knew that anyway, and uh, I've come under some of her ministry, and I want to say God has his hand on this woman of God. So I'll hand over to you. So, Thank yeah. you. Sounds all good. Thank you. So I really enjoyed your church news. It's clear watching Ebony and Guy that the acting genes are quite strong in the Mansbridge family. <laughs> but thank you for having us here. We, um, many of you we know, some are new faces, and we love this church. We've, I do feel like it's family when we come down here. Um, we've been coming here for a really long time, I think over 20 years. Yep. So... Um, I want to speak today uh, from the book of Proverbs. I believe you've been doing a series from Proverbs. Yes, I want to speak from Proverbs chapter 3. And this is um, one of my favourite scriptures. Steve's got it written in the front of his Bible that his mum gave him. And it says, um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And it goes on to say, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear God, turn from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And today, I want to talk about trust. In fact, I specifically want to talk about trusting God. And I'm really going to tell you a story today. That's largely how God has worked in this area in my life, has been through my stories. So I hope you like stories. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but in my life has gone through a number of seasons. I've had the really, really sweet seasons and I've had the kind of more sucky, difficult seasons. And to me, you know, I definitely prefer the nice, sweet seasons when everything's going well, when the kids are behaving and... Uh, and that's a joke because my daughter's sitting here in the front row. Um, but if I'm going to be really honest... The really profound growth in my life has come when I've been through the really yucky, difficult seasons. And I'm not saying that all of the horrible stuff that we sometimes encounter in life comes from God at all. In fact, the opposite. I, God is absolutely the, the kindest, kindest person I know. And, and like that song we just sang said, he is incredibly good and faithful. But it is absolutely the desire of God's heart that when we go through circumstances, whatever the reason that we're going through them, that he has the capacity to turn those around, to make something really beautiful in our lives and in our relationship with him. And so I want to tell you um, a little bit, little part of my story. Um, a number of years ago, I was in church and we were singing a song called Oceans. Who knows that song? I have heard people laughingly say, if you don't sing that song, you're not really a Christian. But <laughs> It was kind of quite big. But, you know, we were, I was standing in church and we are singing the song and all of a sudden it's like God said to me, will you sing this song as an invitation to me? 
Will you, will you sing this song? In a sense, giving me permission to come and work in your life. And, and the words that I was singing, he said to me, will you let me take you on a journey of trust, a trust journey? And the words I was singing were, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would leave me, lead me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. And, and as I sang that, I knew that I was speaking words that came from the heart of God. And to be honest, there was such a sense of weightiness on those words because I know that if you want to, if you want to have trust without borders in your life, that means that the things that you've played, you've placed your security in and your confidence in are going to get removed. And walking on the water is potentially a scary thing to do. You know, um, when we want to give, in a sense, I was saying to God, I give you permission and I'm willing for you to do this. And when God speaks to us prophetically, it often heralds a change in our circumstances of life. And what happened is that um, Steve and I had been pastoring and church planning for about 17 years and we, we kind of thought that's what we do for the rest of our lives. And, and through a whole stack of unforeseen circumstances that happened, we actually found ourselves unemployed. And it was a really, really big shock. Like we didn't expect it. We didn't, have a, we didn't actually have a plan B. There wasn't a plan B because we thought, well, plan A is pastoring and there, there's no other plan. And so we found ourselves in this situation and it was a really big shock. And God spoke to me and he said, this is a trust journey. And I want to give you a little bit of background. Uh, actually, before I do that, I just want to think back about that trust journey thing. I want to go back to that scripture that we looked at at the beginning from Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to read that scripture, and I used to get this really nice, warm, fuzzy glow inside. It's a really nice scripture. It's a beautiful scripture, but it is actually talking about the times in your life when you cannot lean on your own understanding and when your paths are a bit of a mess. And our situation was that at that point in our life, Steve was 51. I hope you don't mind me showing your age, but I've done it now, so it's too late. Um, he, was the, he had been the main breadwinner in our family for many years. Like I had raised the kids and then we'd been in pastoring, but he was the, the kind of one that was employed. And so he, he was the one we'd relied on for income. Um, now, Steve grew up the son of missionary parents in Central Africa in a country called Malawi. And he did correspondence, correspondence schooling. And he spent a lot, a huge amount of time out in the bush, in the jungle over there with the birds and the animals, and he's amazing with natural things. And he, he did, he'd spent his teenage years in Africa. And when he came home from Africa, he did some work in data communications for a number of years. And then he actually opened up his own business. And he was, he was um, wholesaling in the surf industry. So he started his business from scratch, and he built it up to a successful business. And then he actually shut that down to go into full-time ministry when we felt like God spoke to us to do that. Um, my history was that when I left school, I went to uni, I got um, a degree as an occupational therapist, and I worked in that arena for 17 years. And then I, again, I left that to go into full-time pastoring. And th the rules around working in that profession are that you can only spend five years out of the profession. 
And once you're over five years, you can't go back. And I'd been out five years and two months. And when I went back, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me. Even though I had a job that was going to supervise me, they wouldn't actually let me work. And so that, that whole door shut. And I was so angry. <laughs> I was so annoyed. And, um, you know, I went and I had a really, really big whinge to God. And I'm like, really? Really, God? Seriously? I'm like, really? It's 17 years of ministry and pouring out our lives and looking after your people. Really? This is it? I mean, I wasn't very respectful, but that, that's actually... That's how I spoke to God. That's what I said. I'm like, seriously? And God rebuked me. And it really, you know, I love it when he rebukes me, funnily enough, because he's, he's kind of firm, but he's kind and gentle. And he said to me really clearly, he said, do you think I'm any man's debtor? He said, you challenge me and see my, how much blessing I will pour out on your life. And, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on a part of our life that is not working, he's actually pointing to the site of the next transformation that God wants to do. He's pointing to the area that God wants to bring a fresh or a new revelation of who God really is for us that we maybe haven't seen clearly before. You know, I, um, for those of you that are maybe over 50, you'll remember the old song, Jehovah Jireh, My Provider. I'm not going to sing it. Steve could sing it. Um, but, you know, I knew in my head that God was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But I actually didn't know, deep down, that I could trust God to be my provider. And when God speaks to us prophetically, he is establishing the upgrade in our understanding that he wants to bring to us. And, and the questions that we ask at these times in our lives, when things go pear-shaped, when the wheels falls off, when everything goes wrong and doesn't make sense, the questions that we ask of God are really, really important. Okay? Now, there's some questions that are most times not that helpful. Often it's not super helpful to be going, oh, why is this happening to me? It's not fair. Da, da, da. I mean, probably it might not be fair. But getting into that question is most times not super helpful because we just end up in a well of self-pity. A really, really helpful question is, God, who do you want to be for me at this time in my life, in this circumstance, that you cannot be at any other time? What aspect of who you are do you want to reveal to me that I've never seen before? And I do have to um, acknowledge Graham Cook because those questions came from him, but they were revelatory for me. You know... Um, if we're going to really trust God fully in an area of our life, then we, we need a revelation of who God is for us in that area. And to be very honest, we tend to avoid the circumstances which give us the opportunity to find that revelation. Like, I wasn't going to go to God and say, hey, God, please take away my salary so I can know you as provider. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we had done faith stuff before. Like, when we planted the church, we lived by faith. We had done it. But then we got a salary, and it was really nice because the money came in every week and we made a good budget and we could live by it and it was really secure and comfortable. And then we didn't. Yeah. Okay? And whenever God allows us to walk through those times, regardless of whether the circumstances come from him or whether it's attack against us, there is always an inherent invitation for an upgrade. There is always a trade-up available or what I call an instead 
So in, I love it in Isaiah 61, uh, God talks about the insteads that God wants to give us. He says that he gives us beauty instead of ashes. We sang today he gives us glory instead of shame. He gives us praise instead of heaviness. There's another one that I can't remember, instead of mourning. <laughs> Dancing instead of mourning, thank you. So, so there is always a trade up. There's always an instead that God has for us. And, you know, I was actually afraid. I was worried about we might lose our house, and I love my home. I felt really let down. And the temptation was to partner with some really unhelpful thoughts and emotions but God had actually spoken to me and said, this is a trust journey. And now, if I'm going to be really honest with you, in past history, and Steve will attest to this, when we've been through things like this, I would jump in and take control. I'd be like, right, we need to, you know, get jobs and we need to do this. And when you have an international student stay with us for 18 months, no, four years, which I don't think Steve's ever forgiven me for. <laughs> but, you know, in the past, I would jump in and go, okay, we've got, I've got to make it all happen. And, and I thought to myself, what would it look like if I actually took God at his word and trusted him instead of jumping in? And so I made a decision and I made a choice to believe him and I said, God, I'm going to take you at your word. You said to me, you're no man's debtor and I'm to challenge you to see how much blessing that you want to pour out on us. So this is what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to do that every day and I want no bill unpaid I want no debt, no visa debt. Now, we, just to be clear, we have a visa card, but we have a budget and we live within our means, but we use a visa card to get frequent fly points so we can travel. All right? But I said, I, I don't want to pay any interest on the visa card and I want everything paid off because that's what you said, God. You said you're no man's debtor. And so every time I feel afraid, I'm going to remember what you said and I'm going to come to you. And I actually walked in a season of incredible peace, despite the fact that for five months we had no secure income coming in. And, you know, we were, had a family, a home, all the things that go with that. We had a lot of, lot of overheads. Um, and each morning, Steve and I would sit and pray together and we'd say, thank you, God, that you said you're no man's debtor and, we, and that you're going to abundantly bless us. And I have to say, it began one of the most miraculous seasons financially that we've ever walked through in our life. And I want to tell you a little bit of the story. Are you good with stories? It's not a big line upon line theology preached today, but stories are good. Huh? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the light relief. <laughs> so I'll just give you the highlights because there are actually too many stories to tell them all. But I'm going to start with Steve and tell his story. So Steve was sort of, for a couple of weeks, was thinking, what the heck am I going to do? And after a couple of weeks, he came to me and he said, how about I'd make a little website and I just advertise if there's anybody that wants to go and look at birds. Because, see, Steve, in his time in Africa, had developed this amazing capacity to identify birds. So if you're, in, if you're outside or in the bush and you hear a whole lot of bird song, he can tell you exactly what's singing, tell you all about it. And we thought, oh, yeah. I thought, you know, we've got nothing to lose. It will cost $30 to make a website. Steve said, maybe there's a few people that might like to go and have a look at birds. So we thought, yeah, okay, do that. And to be honest, I actually forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really hold great hopes, but I was really delighted that he was, you know, had thought of something. And, uh, and I just wanted to encourage him. 
<laughs> and about three weeks later, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth in the morning and God says to me, pray a blessing on the bird business. So I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm praying a blessing on the bird business. <laughs> Didn't think much more about it. Steve came home that night and he said to me, do you remember that bird business I told you about? I'm like, yes. He said, well, I, I got my website finished and I'm, I was about to publish it last night. And he said, and I knew that there was a guy in the Riverland who does a, a similar business. Now, Steve is a much nicer person than me, okay, because I wouldn't have done this, but he's a really honouring man and I do love that about him. He said, I wanted to honour him, so I emailed him and I said, hey, I'm going to be starting this business, but I'm not going to come into your territory or steal any of your customers. I'm just going to work in Adelaide. And I'm thinking, oh, what did you do that for? <laughs> and he said, the guy emailed me back and he said, hey, Steve, thank you so much. I'm actually, because it was peak tourist season, he said, I'm inundated with people wanting tours and I can't do them. I'm full, so can I, can I siphon off work to you? And it started the most amazing journey. Now, you probably don't know this, but in the United States, there is more money spent on bird watching than golf. It is huge. In the UK, they spend millions every year. And people come from all Europe, the UK and America to Australia. They spend loads of money to go into remote areas and find birds they can't see anywhere else. Who knew? <laughs> and this started a season where Steve established a business for five years where he would travel all over Australia to all the remote areas. He travelled all through Asia. He travelled to the US. He went to Africa. He went to England. And he got to the point that he could go, where would I like to go? I think I'd like to go to Costa Rica, so I'm going to advertise a tour to Costa Rica. And it was amazing. And um, uh, he had a ball. He's an adventurer and he loved it. And I got to go on some trips with him too, which was awesome. And that was good, but, you know, there were times when the bird business was a bit quiet, when it wasn't peak tourist season. And so he kind of needed to pick up some other work. And um, I was at my niece's birthday party and my brother, who works for TAFE, said to me, hey, does Steve want any training work? Because he used to work in, in data comms. And I said, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Um, and he said, the only thing is, he needs his certificate for in training and assessment. Twelve months beforehand, when we were still pastoring full-time, Steve had come to me and he said, I really feel like God's encouraging me to get my certificate for in training and assessment. And he'd approached a private company. They'd taken him on. They'd actually took him through it for free. He didn't have to pay for it. And the lady who ran it got healed when he prayed for her. <laughs> and so... My brother opened a door and he got into training work and he started doing contract training for a company when he wasn't out on bird tours. And so this was really wonderful and after about five years, it went on for five years, it was great. But after five years, it was getting to the point where I was thinking, oh, it'd be nice to have Steve home a bit more, we kind of miss each other. It was good, we, you know, we still like each other, we've been married 35 years, we still like hanging out together which is a really good thing. And so I'm like, I really miss you, kind of feel like I'm doing life on my own. He was missing doing life with me. And also, he was really tired because when you're on a bird tour, you get up at 5.30 in the morning and you're with people to 9.30 at night. And so at the end of um, 2019, we're kind of like, I think, I think this season needs to come to an end. We think we need a, 
We need a new season. And so, interestingly enough, Steve had travelled all around Australia and there was one place that he really wanted to go to that he hadn't been to in the tip of northern Western Australia. And he went there, he took, he took a team of people there for a tour and then he came back down into Perth. And when he got to Perth, um, the boss of the company that he was doing the contract training for rang him. He said, Steve, I want you to come and work full-time as my state manager in South Australia. And so it was a bit sad not to be able to do all the birding, but he wanted to be home. So we took on this full-time work in January last year and in March, COVID hit and all the bird tours had to shut down and there was no work anywhere. And so that, that is the story of, that is Steve's story of how God actually blessed him abundantly. And the beautiful thing is he still has the capacity, his company are happy for him to go and do some tours and travel from time to time. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm still convinced there's another season for Steve, but we just, like, we know that God is just orchestrating all the paths for us. So that was Steve's story. My story was that um, when we had been pastoring... I developed a real interest and passion in prayer ministry. And uh, I loved praying for people. I started to see some breakthroughs in people's lives, some physical healings, some kind of emotional healing happening. But I also felt like a bit frustrated because there was areas where I wasn't seeing breakthroughs. And I really felt like God said to me, Noni, I want you to go and upskill, do some training so that you develop a whole set of tools that you can use in partnership with the Holy Spirit to see people healed and made whole. And so at that point in my life, I went and I trained in a number of different kind of inner healing ministries, prayer ministries, and I worked in that and I loved it. It was great. And then then when I realised that I needed to reinvent myself and get some employment, I thought, what should I do? well, maybe I'll go and study counselling because, you know, that's kind of a bit aligned with what I'm doing. And I thought, I'm going to look online and find the quickest, cheapest, easiest counselling course that I can find. Get my ticket and start counselling. So I looked, started looking at all these courses and then I thought, I'm just going to check out Tabor. That's the, the Christian kind of union Adelaide. And I opened the Table page on counselling and it was like it hit me in the face. Because it's like the Holy Spirit just went, wham, this is it. This, this is where you're meant to be. It was definitely not the quickest, easiest, cheapest course, for sure. But I knew without a doubt that, that this was what God was saying. This is your future path. And so I, I started studying there. I took three years to study my master's. And I'd been there about three or four months. And Steve said to me, you need to start a counselling business. I'm like, I can't do that. I've only just started my study. And not only that, counselling businesses are actually really hard to start, or they were then, because we don't get any Medicare rebates, so, you know, there's people have got to pay you without any rebates. It wasn't as well known or respected as it was then. Um, so I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do that. And Steve kept saying, I really feel like that God wants you to start a counselling business. Anyway, I get a phone call from someone who I hardly knew, who didn't know I was studying counselling, and they said... I'm going through some relationship problems. God's told me to ring you up, come and talk to you and pay you for your time. <coughs> and this happened um, with a number of people who just contacted me out of the blue and hence my counselling business was started. And it was amazing. People used to say to me, other counsellors, how, how did you get your business advertised? I'm like, I didn't. Seriously, God just <laughs> brought people in. And I, I look back, I'm like, I didn't even know very much. I don't even know how I did it. But, <laughs> but God just orchestrated it. 
Um, and so, you know, that was really wonderful. But like any new business, it took a while to get going. And I, um, there were weeks when we still didn't have enough money to pay the bills. So I remember one day saying, God, I've, I've worked out, because I'm kind of a bit of a finance person, so I've worked out all the bills, what we needed. I'm like, God, we don't have enough money coming in this week. I need, I'm not going to have enough for my clients. And one of my clients came in. At the end, they said, God told me to pay you extra today. Another day... I looked at how many clients I had and I said, God, I need two more clients today to be able to pay all the bills. And that day a person rang up and they said, I want to come in and I want to book a double session with you. And so this this just happened all the time. It was like I almost felt like um, I need to be careful what I ask God for because it just happened straight away. And I I was – my first counselling room, I hired it off a local chiropractor and it had the chiropractor bed in. It had a skeleton on the wall. Not great for counselling, especially, you know – and it was really expensive. And after a while, I'm like, God, all my profits are going on my rent. This is not good. I really need another room. That night, I went to a professional development training. And two other counsellors stood up and they said, look, we're, in going, we're going in together to rent a room and we need a third person. And so I, I put my hand up and I, within a day, I had a room, a really nice room for a third of the price of what I had been paying. And you know what the amazing thing was? In that whole five months, there was only one week where we didn't have some form of income coming in. But we had one week when neither of us had any income. That was the only week that we received five envelopes anonymously full of cash. And what, so four were anonymous. One was the guy who Steve had married two years before. He didn't marry him. He was the celebrant. (laughs) We're married. And he'd never paid him. And two years later, on that week, he rings him and says, Steve, I want to pay you for the wedding. (laughs) And that was really cool. So we had these five envelopes given to us with cash. No one knew. No one knew that we didn't have money that week. But it still wasn't quite enough to pay the bills. And on the Wednesday, Chad rings me. He says, Noni, we've got our prophetic group tomorrow night. Would you come down and teach at it? I'm like, sure, that'd be great. And so I came down here. I taught out the prophetic group. And you guys gave us a really generous honorarium. And that was the money that we needed that week to pay all our bills. So thank you for being part of our story. That was the one week we had no pay and that that made up the shortfall. Yay, Bayside. (laughs) And so things are starting to go well and I've got this professional business going and I'm like, God, I don't have any clothes. Like I've got daggy clothes but I haven't got nice clothes for, you know, this kind of work. And I thought maybe he'd put $1,000 in my bank account or something. But at that weekend, we were heading to Mount Gambia. Steve was preaching there at our friend's church. And we were staying with a couple of friends. And she was actually a professional stylist. And on the way there, we're driving there. And she phoned me. She said, hey, Noni, um, would you be interested in looking at some second-hand clothes I've been given? I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Thinking, you know, it would be like going to an op shop. And, and that, that would be fun. And we get there. And she pulls out. No joke. This really happened. I mean, this is, as I said, it sounds so amazing. Three big garbage bags full of designer label clothes, all in my size, with the tags on, never been worn. And she styled me, and I had more amazing outfits in my wardrobe than I've ever had before or since. And it was kind of like God saying, that you think you can do a good job controlling stuff? Let me just show you who I am. Let me just show you 
who I really am because I'm a good dad and this is what I can do. And you think sometimes you can't trust me and you have to control, but actually I want you to know just how much you can trust me, just who I really, really am. And, you know, this lasted for five months. It was amazing. Then we both got, you know, we had secure incomes coming in. We were all good except one thing. We had an investment property we bought and we hadn't been able to pay anything into it for the five months and we owed $5,000 on it. And I went, God, you said no man's debtor and there's a $5,000 debt on our investment property. God, I'm just bringing it to you because you said to. And within a couple of days, a guy that we hardly knew rang Steve. He said, Steve, I've just got an inheritance from my parents and God told me to give you $5,000. I get teary thinking about that because God's so good. And so that was the story of what he did. And out of that time, God started to speak to me and say, I want you to write a book because... Because you know how to walk with the Holy Spirit and see the Holy Spirit heal people and walk a journey with them. But you also have got all these awesome tools and strategies and counselling and psychotherapy that are really helpful for people. And he said, I want you to write a book that anyone can read in, every, in everyday language where people can read it and walk a journey with God and use these tools so that they can flourish emotionally, mentally and spiritually. And I actually just printed the book this week. So, Chad, that's your copy. <laughs> so, Chad, Chad was a huge part. And Chad did a massive amount of work and feedback and was very, very instrumental part of my editing that book. Thank you, Chad. I probably did a lot more work because of Chad, but it was definitely worth it because I got a much better product. So, if any of you are interested, we, there are copies available after the service. But that, that for me was something that God spoke to me about. And then people just started ringing me up saying, hey, God, no need, no, no God's saying write the book. So it was such a prophetic, prophetic work and it's been another, just another testimony of God's goodness. Um, so, you know, when we, when we experience God's, who has experienced God's goodness and faithfulness at some point in their life? When we, when we experience the goodness and faithfulness of God, th- those testimonies, they are not just for this situation that we find ourselves in. We could go to the next slide if that's okay. Um, they, they are not just for the difficult time that we're going through. They are for that and they're amazing. When God comes through, it's, it's incredible. But they actually need to become the foundation for how we live the rest of our life and how we respond to the situations we encounter in the future. You see, in Joshua chapter 4 in the Bible... Um, the Israelites, had, they had been slaves in Egypt. God had delivered them out of slavery and he had promised them that he was going to take them into a, a land of their own, a promised land, okay, which is the modern-day Israel. And, and they were in the desert for a period of time while he sorted their hearts out. And they, needed to, they were ready to cross over and enter into this beautiful land that God had promised them. And they needed to cross the River Jordan. And they'd already seen God separate the waters when they crossed the Red Sea to escape from the Egyptians. Um, and God did that for them. But this was 40 years later. And God says, I'm going to, tomorrow, he said to Joshua, tomorrow morning, I'm going to part the waters and you guys are going to walk through the waters on dry land by miracle into the land that I've promised you. 
And he said, what I want you to do is this. When you're in the middle of that riverbed, with the waters parted, and you know that it's an incredible miracle, he said, you need to pick up, I think it was 12 stones off the riverbed, 12 river stones, and you need to carry them and take them into the new land that I've promised you. And he said, and when you get there, you need to build a memorial out of the stones. Because the reason is, when your kids say to you, what are those stones there for? You need to tell them the story of what I did for you and who I am. You see, we need to find ways to intentionally remember what God has done. Because if you don't do that, God can do the most incredible things. You'll forget. You'll hit other stuff in your life and you'll, you'll just go back to worries me. So we need to start building memorial stones with the testimonies of who God is and his faithfulness in our life. And I, I always have a choice when I deal with stuff in my life about what I focus on. Am I going to align my thinking and remember, okay, God, I've been here before. This is what happened in this situation. This is what you did. This is who you are. That's right. Now I can connect with the faith for that. Now I remember who you are and I move out of my fear and I remember and my discouragement and I get faith and hope because I remember who you are. Do I do that or do I go, oh, no, terrible situation. I've got to control everything and make it okay again. And unfortunately, I didn't do so well with the memorial stone building at that point. Um, after three I mean, it was an incredible season, but after three years of studying and building a successful private practice, I had this really deep desire in my heart to work at table as a lecturer. And God spoke to me really clearly. He said, I'm going to give you a subject to call your own. And, uh, you know, within a few months, I, I was offered a subject to teach and I, went, I worked for them as a contract trainer, contract lecturer. And it was a wonderful subject because I actually got to share, for most of it, I just got to share about God and the Christian worldview. And it was so cool because I just tell people about how God, how, you know, how amazing God was and tell them about him and stories. And I'd have people sitting in my class. I had a lady come up to me. She said, I don't even know who God is, but I just can't stop crying. I've never felt so loved in my whole life and I've met him. You know, I had, I had another girl came in with a, a knee injury because she'd had a bike accident and, and I just felt like, God said, go pray for her. And I got to pray for her and she just got healed miraculously. And so I, had this, I was having this awesome time um, teaching at table and God, I got some other subjects and God said to me, I'm going to set your feet in concrete there. And I knew he was saying, I'm going to make you, you know, you're going to be here long term, permanently. This is where you're meant to be. And I was so excited. And then um, we had a season a few years back, where there was just a few financial um, things we had to walk through, um, and because, of, uh, as, as a college, and because of that, um, the sensible decision was that all of the teaching needed to be done by permanent staff. And that made sense, it was a wise decision, but I was devastated, because I was, a contract, I was one of the contract staff members, and I was like, I know it makes sense, but God, I feel like you gave me this subject and you told me I was going to be here. And I got really upset and annoyed. And I went, right, I'm going to go and get another job. And so, you know, I forgot to remember <laughs> what God had said. And I, I went and I got another job part-time. And it was a fantastic job, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't the job that God had prepared for me. But I went and got it and they were great. And I'd been there a few weeks and things changed at table. And they said, hey, Noni, we want you to come back and teach those subjects. And so I came back and I taught them and I was so happy to be back doing them. Um, but it was more pressure now because I had a third job. 
And then they were so happy that I came back and took the subject son, they actually offered me my dream job, which was being um, a super clinical supervisor for the master's students. And I had to say no, because I'd committed to this other job and I knew that it would be dishonouring just to sort of walk out after six months. And so it wasn't that anything was bad, it was good, but I actually felt like I missed the best. And I sat in the good because I hadn't actually listened to what God had said and put my trust in him. I just kind of responded and reacted, really. And, um, you know, got, gone back into, I've got to fix it. I've got to control it or make it okay. And, you see, Matthew 4, 4 says this. It says, Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because when God speaks to us, or when he quickens something to us, a promise from his scripture, we need to make sure that's what the guiding force is in our life because he is actually orchestrating paths for us. And I, and I, I missed his best for me for a season because I actually didn't trust him to fulfil his words uh, regardless of how the circumstances looked. And I looked at the circumstances, I reacted out of disappointment and I reverted to trying to control things instead of aligning myself with what he said. Now, God is really gracious and kind, and I now work permanently at table as a lecturer and as a clinical supervisor. So, you know, I, my dream has still happened, but I did, it took a few years longer than it needed to, okay? So, I mean, God's always kind. There's always, you know, he's always got another. What I've realised is he always has another plan A, it's not like, oh, that was plan A, I've missed it. Now it's plan B, now it's plan C. No, when stuff goes pear-shaped in life, God's got a plan A. Okay, you just, you just got to go, okay, God, what's the plan A from here on in? There's never a second best. There's always a plan A. So the potential of testimony is amazing. But we need to be really, really intentional about remembering who God is and what he's done for us, about meditating um, on the things that he's done. And, you know, what you need to know is that my testimony is your testimony. You know, you, might, you may have amazing testimonies in your life or you may have be like, well, I don't really have any testimonies of God in my life. That's okay because my God is your God and he loves you as much as he loves me. So when you hear someone else share a testimony of what God has done for them. You can take that because if God's done it for them, he'll do it for you. God said to me, there's nothing I've done for you that I won't do for your children. Everything I've done for you, I'll do for your children. And I felt like in the same when I was coming here, that is your natural children, but it's also your spiritual children. I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird there. I know I'm, I'm not your spiritual mum or anything like that. But the point is, he's saying that everyone who sits under my voice... What he's done for me, he'll do for you because he's the same God. And, you know, if you don't even know anyone, go and look at the testimonies in the Bible because everything he did for the people in the Bible is a testimony for you to go back and hang your hat on. God, that's who you are. That's what you did. I'm going to meditate on that until I see, till I meet you in that way for my own life and I see you in that way for my own life. And so I'm actually going to ask maybe the worship team just to come up and quietly play that goodness of God song. Thank you, Chad. That'd be awesome. Just while I'm speaking. Because I want, I want us to do some business with God today. You know, I thought about, what do I do? Do I invite you out and pray for you all? And I, I just feel like, really today, we need, to do, we need to do business with God individually. Face to face with God. And 
You know, many of you are going through different situations. I'm sure there are a lot of things going on that I know nothing about. But many of you are going through challenges. And these are the times when we need to ask God, Father, who do you want to be for me at this time that you can't be at any other? What aspect of who you are are you highlighting to me? What is the the fresh revelation you want to give me about yourself? What is the trade you want to make or the instead that you want to give me? So for he, me, he, he traded fear of the future for a deep-seated trust. And he traded the weight of needing to have to be able to control everything to the absolute relief of letting it go and saying, God, over to you, you sort it out. And the incredible peace that came with that. And, you know, giving God permission to take you out on the deep water can actually be one of the scariest things that you'll ever do in your life. But it's also one of the most amazing and rewarding things that you'll ever do. And I think sometimes deep down we have a fear that God's not going to be who he said he is or he's not going to come through for you. And so we kind of hold on to our security blankets and our props. But God is wanting to move us out of our safety-first Christianity. He wants to move us into things that are impossible for us to accomplish on our own so he can show us who he is because he's a good father. And he wants to move us in that space. He showed me this picture once of me just as a... He reminded me of a photo as a little girl. must have been about three years old just holding my mum's hand. And he wants to move us into that space where we're like a little child who actually just trusts their parents, that we don't have to work it all out because mum and dad do all of that. And we're just holding their hand, trusting. And it's as much about our own hearts as about the outcomes. And God is orchestrating an ongoing conversation with every single one of us here today. And I want to ask you, what is the conversation that God is having with you right now? What what aspect of himself does he want to reveal to you that you've maybe never seen before? Or maybe you've let go of and forgotten about and he wants to remind you of? What memorial stones does he want to build in your life in this season? Well, what testimonies does he want you to remember to go back and find and search and find them that you've forgotten about? Because whatever situation you are going through right now, there is an invitation to meet God in a way that you've never met him before. And what I want to do, I'm going to ask the worship team to sing that song, um, The Goodness of God. And you can choose whether you sing or whether you just sit quietly with God. But I actually want to take a minute. I'm going to hand the mic over to Rob. But I want to, to give you a minute as we sing this song to actually do business with God today. To say, God, what, what, are the, what are the situations in my life that you want to highlight right now? that actually I've been holding on or I haven't known you as a caring father or I haven't been able to trust you in, that you want to come and bring a, a trade or a transaction today. Okay, so I'm going to 
hand over to Rob and I'm just going to let the worship team lead us in that song today. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.